He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one, the only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here as I am every week with the delicious, always <laughs> optimistic, Alexia Cristina Postalinis. Hi, Alex. Hi, everyone. So what's on your mind today, kiddo? Oh, I am so glad you asked, because this morning I woke up thinking, which means don't ever compliment a baby's eyes because it invites the devil in. We do not want to do that. So what? Yes. Yes. So I mean, my Nuna, when um, she had her first child, right? And she was so excited that she invited the entire community, many of whom were non-Greeks. Uh-huh. to the baptism, right? So she just wanted everybody there. And her baby, Athena, had the most beautiful eyes, but she failed to warn the guests on the invitation not to say anything. One by one, leading up to the christening, the non-Greeks would comment on Athena's blue eyes, right? Uh, oh, she had blue eyes. She had beautiful blue eyes. Oh my gosh. Deep blue, like, you know, a GNC blue. So instantly after that, after, you know, string of compliments, the holy water in the church turned rancid, the candles went out, the catering truck burst into flames, and oh the priest gosh. was frozen with fear with the apparent devil visitation. But thank God for Yaya. She came to the rescue. She pulled out her worry beads, said the Lord's Prayer three times, then sprinkled the altar with salt, because Yaya always has salt in her purse to <laughs> For, you know, for, for these occasions. Of course. Of course. Luckily, everything normalized. Athena was baptized, but unfortunately, Father Stavros was never the same. Well, of course not. Because <laughs> Yaya had all the power. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> if we don't know that by now, Yaya always has all the power. Which is why a good Greek woman never wants grandma because they want the power. And only Yayas have those powers. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank God for Yaya. That's all I can say. That poor <laughs> priest, he's probably never going to be the same again. Never, never, never. Oh, my goodness. So tell me, my friend, what's on your mind? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Is it what I'm thinking? Yep. Let's get tipsy! All due respect to the artist we have holding on the line, when booking an artist that insists on being paid in full in advance, my rule of thumb is a big thumbs down. Always best to hold payment, even if only a portion of it, 50% is standard, until after the performance or at least until the night of performance. If for no other reason than to give yourself some assurance that everything will go as planned. That's my tip of the day. Let's get tipsy. 
Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you! Tell us who our guest is today, Alex. Uh, our guest today, I know I say this a lot, but truly he's one of my favorites. He started the band The Kicks back in 1981. Ah, I'm getting caught up here. Sorry about that. Playing club nights, five, uh, clubs five nights a week for the first 10 years, right? As club gigs began to dwindle, they switched gears and started playing more private parties, corporate things, and became the exclusive band for companies such as Sullivan International and NBC San Diego. As wow. such, they had the opportunity to work with one of Princess Diana's wedding coordinators, as well as winning an Emmy for one of the NBC events. Wow. Always ready to reinvent himself. And using the Broadway benefit as inspiration, our guest today took the pandemic as an opportunity to create four amazing music videos to help promote the band. And they were spectacular. So ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend, and leader of one of San Diego's best bands, Mr. Gary Hartson. Wow. Can mm -hmm. I leave now? That, I, <laughs> enough enough said. Enough, enough said, said, right? <laughs> Thank you, my dear Alex. Aww. I feel the same way about you too. And hello, Anthony. Well, hello, Gary. It's so nice Hi. to see you again. It feels like it's been maybe a month. Uh, about a month. I, yeah. I saw you last. That's right. And uh, I, I want to go on and on about that, but I'm not going to because it's customary. It's becoming customary that we begin our show with what we call 10 Quick Questions. 10 Quick Questions? Yay! Are you ready for question number one, Gary? Artson? Sure. Why okay. not? All right. Let's go for this. All right. Take a deep breath. Okay. Good. He's ready. <laughs> Gary Hartson, do you believe in miracles? Yes. What do you love most about what you do? Uh, making people happy. And when was the last time you tried something new? Um, boy, it's been a while. <laughs> okay, something to work on. I would yeah. just like you to know that I just tried some Sorrento snacks, cheese and nuts and little berries, and I highly recommend them. Try them for the first time on Sunday. That You're was once something new. So wow. next time we have a call together, please. That's right. Make sure you've I, tried something new. You can get them at Costco. You can get them at Costco or Target. What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? When you think about me, Hmm. Happiness. Pick one. Award show or beauty pageant? Hmm. Award show. What is the most memorable live concert, show, or festival you've ever experienced? Hmm. Well, I would probably say that would be the... I think the largest crowd we played for, which is about 25,000 people um, on the beach on July 4th. Uh, we did it a few years in a row, but um, you know, we've done a lot of big events, but never anything that big. And uh, that was pretty spectacular. 
Wow, that must have felt so exhilarating. It was great. Being in front of all those people. Yeah, Yeah, I bet. Bringing happiness. Mm -hmm. Bringing happiness. There you go. So, Gary, what do you think about while you're driving? Uh, What do I think about? Um, Probably getting back to my desk and making sure that the thought in my head is going to go on paper or... Mm on a computer <laughs> right. damn it why do you have all your best thoughts while you're driving damn I, know. It. I know i know yeah nobody ever says driving i just have to point that out mm-hmm. nobody ever says they're thinking about driving yeah i know mm. okay that's scary i know i know i do it too i hardly ever think about driving while i'm driving <laughs> that's why there's body cops <laughs> i know that's right <laughs> and body bags unfortunately but i didn't say that oh. number eight if mickey mouse if mickey mouse weren't famous would you have him over for dinner at your home sure oh, i like that yeah. amiable happiness is kind of guy <laughs> anything's possible anything is possible right that's right, of course. So, so have you ever done drag, Gary? Ah, yes. Oh! Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, do tell. Okay. Well, um, about, well, I know exactly when it was, because it was uh, September of 2001. Um, we had, uh, were approached a couple of months previous by the Hotel Dell, and the person running the place down there said uh have you ever seen the movie uh some like some like it hot i mean what do you mean of course we've seen it my mom and i watched it we we love that movie he said well we're thinking about doing a theme and i said okay i can see where this is going (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah, so we we did a we developed an entire theme around some like it hot, and um, of course I couldn't ask my band to do this without me doing this. And uh, I normally like to kind of stay in the background and let all the all the front people do their thing, but uh, you know I had to I had to do it. And uh, so uh, yes, we dressed up in drag and came out and uh, played a couple of songs from the movie. And it really, the sad thing about it was it was going to be something the clients just absolutely loved it. It was going to be something that uh, uh, that we were going to do on a regular basis. But unfortunately, it was the night before, it was the Saturday night before oh. 9-11. Oh. And as soon as 9-11 happened, <laughs> you know, all the plans kind of yeah. went by the wayside. But, uh, uh, but yeah, that was my one and hopefully only time, you know. I mean, if I looked better as a woman, I wouldn't mind, but you know, well, it's I try to look as good as a man. So. It's not easy to look good as a woman. <laughs> but were you in the white dress and, you know, no, was there a fan blown up? No, No. fortunately our friend Susan was, uh, you know, the Maryland uh, lookalike was there. Oh, Susie Griffiths. Susan is the best, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I miss her, I haven't seen her in so long, but she was there doing uh, the Maryland and we were just there doing the, uh, Tony Curtis and <laughs> and Jack Lemon parts. So, uh, but uh, I think the funniest was my percussionist because he's uh, about five foot five with a goatee and a mustache. And <laughs> he pulled it off. Yes. <laughs> did the audience? Did the audience enjoy it? They did. They loved it. You know, it was it was a great night in the uh, in you know in the grand ballroom and uh, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And like I said, Susan was there and they had a whole uh, array of stuff. And it was, right. we were kind of looking forward to it being something, you know, but um, they uh, intervened. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened. But I, I have to say, I can't help but giggle because the worst thing that could happen is you come out on stage and you start playing and nobody notices that yeah. you're <laughs> actually guys in track yeah. and you're yeah. up there thinking to yourself okay like do they know that we're in track <laughs> yeah well, we I, have- I want pictures mr hartson well i expect is- them in my inbox i know well this is pre-iphone this is 21 years ago so no. so we didn't t- get pictures of back in those days that i kind of wish we did but um yeah yeah that was something that's for sure last question what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing the one thing i wish i could stop doing uh worrying about the world i guess mm. you know it's the one thing that kind of brings me down and uh um you know i don't know if i care too much or care too little or whatever but uh, it uh yeah, that would I would probably be it. Mm. Yeah, I share those sentiments. We won't we won't go into it now because we're we're in a podcast mm-hmm. about events. I just want to add the one quick thing is I know it's because you care too much, not too little, because when something happened recently in the world, you took the, a moment as your friend to text me and mm-hmm. say, "I'm sorry." Yeah, and so that's a man who cares. Mm. Well, okay, yeah, that's I, my two cents. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, you know, I, you're right in that regard. And, uh, you know, when I hurt, when stuff like that happens, I know if my friends hurt, you know, and, uh, sometimes reaching out is a good thing. So it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, speaking about reaching out, uh, I, I think it, I, I should be uh, uh, forthwith with this information. And that is you, you and I only started working together probably seven or eight years ago, Mm -hmm. but, but we've known each other for a long time. And, uh, when I look back at all of those years of not working together and then finally working together, I'm constantly asking myself why it took so long and I have to thank you for us finally coming together because you have what I call a pleasant tenacity. Mm-hmm. You're able to be persistent without pissing people off, annoying people. And you were that with us. And, uh, and by being pleasantly persistent, you never made me feel like I was missing out on not booking you or I was a fool because you were the best thing in the city or, you know, damn it, you tried so hard and I'm just an ass. None of that ever, 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 ever came across. And I get that a lot because, because yeah. I am. So, <laughs> no. but no, but seriously, I, I would love to commend you on that. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm bringing this point up because it's so, so important to, uh, to, to, operate in that way sure and to just be pleasant in your tenacity which you were and so i I wanted to point that out well i appreciate that um 
I think all the pins in the doll worked, but, uh, and the doll didn't even look at much like you. Uh, Is that why I was constantly saying, ow? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, um, I uh, was the entertainment director at the Marriott for a while and I would be booking bands and, and uh, I know exactly what you mean because sometimes you would get, you know, the bands that would call up say we're better than these guys those guys you know this kind of thing and uh um that's really not the way to, mm -mm. to approach it you know right um i'm i'm at a place right now to where you know we get along with everybody all the other bands uh we're we're happy we're content um you know when we're in our 20s it was a much different situation it was cutthroat you know, you couldn't even sit in with another band without somebody having a fit like, oh, my God, are they going to join, you know, and and then you realize that, you know, San Diego is a pretty good town for meetings and there's always going to be more than one event going on. <laughs> and so there has to be other bands. And uh, um, so I think a lot of us have grown up and and realized that, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, that there's room for all if you work hard and you have a good product there'll be room for you and you don't have to worry about anything further than that so but we are by far the best band there's <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> definitely one of the most agile bands and <laughs> for sure because you can play anything and mm -hmm. you could fit almost any size and any need i mean from dj on up Really, if you think about mm -hmm. it, and 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 many bands don't even have that feature of a DJ option. So, um, so let's you know talk about what you do and how it impacts the meetings and events community. Um, tell me what your what it is that you do. How do you impact an event? How does the music you provide, the experience you provide, impact? Well, I think, um, you know, the first thing that helps me and I feel really comfortable about it is that I'm usually, well, always the point person from the word go from the offer until the end, until the actual event. Um, so nothing really is getting lost in translations with other people um, mm -hmm. on my end. Um, obviously, it's it's much better you know, much easier now with email than it was in the past. But um, I just, uh, you know, I, I want the people to know that uh, that what they're saying is is being listened to. It's by me, and um, I'm going to be with you the entire step of the way. Um, we did inter, you know, inter, um, we did uh, start bringing things into the um situation like the dj factor um and that usually that came about a, probably 20 years ago when you know we would notice at private events people you know the the mood would go down during a break um or some uh somebody would ask for a request that we don't know you know and i just thought well this would be the best way to do this and so we try and seamlessly go from the end of the band to write into myself or my, one of my other guys DJing and uh, just to keep the flow going, you know, and to make sure that, uh, you know, that that continues. So at the end of the night, people are looking at their watch and going, wait a minute, you can't be done already. Right. You know, as opposed to 
long breaks where you're putting on some background music and you know you've gone from this energy level all the way down and um you that's know, a party killer that yeah. is a party killer Let's right be clear. Right. yeah and of course you know early breaks there's things going on you know mm-hmm. toast or uh or right ceo speaking or something like that but later on there's really no you know no excuse to not, not to keep it going and we try and do longer sets at the end of the night and uh and also have that dj factor there as well too so that really helps how important is it to be flexible with your breaks in the meeting and event world yeah well i always tell people you know they the first question they ask is you know what are your breaks what are your sets and i tell them well standard in the business is 45 minutes on and 15 minutes off with one of the sets being an hour but i always tell the whether it's a wedding coordinator or whether it's a uh a planner at a corporate event, we're absolutely um, able to work around your timeline. So if you need us to go an hour, even an hour and 15 minutes and then take a 20 minute break and then do maybe one set will only be 30 minutes, you know, that is important too, obviously to keep the flow going, you know, uh, because the way, you know, the way the night flows, uh, even if it doesn't have everything to do with the band, it's going to reflect on the band, the flow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've always done that. And, uh, um, you know, nowadays we're getting asked for and sometimes to do, um, you know, a long set at the end of the night, you know, sometimes even up to two hours. So, um, you know, we're able to uh, uh, to kind of navigate through that. And uh, especially if we have the nine piece band there because not every single song is going to require nine pieces. So mm-hmm. we may have, um, you know, the horn section may sit out for 15 minutes or so one of the singers may sit out. And uh, um, so we're able to do that with not without having all nine people going, you know, full speed for two hours. So, um, and, you know, that's the way some clients want it. And uh, we're fine with doing that too. So. Mm-hmm. No, I I appreciate that so Mm -hmm. much. And it's a very, very important point to make. You you said it. It's about the flow. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does reflect on the band because the guest will say or the host will say, well, the band didn't get them up to dance. But if the flow doesn't support that as well, then that might not happen. And so you are working in tandem with the planner, with Mm -hmm. your client to ensure that the night flows in the most appropriate way. Sure. And you're being flexible with your breaks to aid that, mm-hmm. that activity. Thank you. And that's just so important because not everybody thinks that way. And sure, if you're doing a club gig, uh, you, you might be able to get away with a regimented break schedule. But in the world of events and meetings, it is, A, not just about the music. Mm-hmm. B, it's there are other things that have to happen normally in the presentation. Sure. You know, and uh, at the end of the day, you want the flow to be appropriate. And so playing into that is really, it's just so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Gary's standard answer whenever I ask him a question that's a little out of the norm is, yeah, we can make that happen. (laughs) Yeah. And and Gary, um, having seen you with the band, is the last person that takes a break. Everybody else gets a break. And sometimes Gary doesn't get a break. 
which is the sign of true leadership and ownership uh, and making sure that things get done. Because as you said earlier, you're the guy they're talking to and you're the mm -hmm. guy who's there. Sure. Such a tremendous benefit. So what, if anything, is different now than it was pre-pandemic for you and your business? Well, um, you know, I think people are just so incredibly uh, receptive now. Not that they weren't before, you know, but uh, it's the old adage, you know, take something away from somebody <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're going to realize what they missed. And once, you know, uh, you can see it now with concert attendance. You can see it with events happening. You know, people are so much into it because they realized what was taken away from them. And it was taken away for a couple of years, you know. And um, um, I think that is just uh, the one thing that, uh, that people are just so uh, happy to be in a position to be back where they were and to realize that, you know, live music is something incredibly special, incredibly special. And people are rediscovering that, you know, it's like, wow, <laughs> what did we miss? You know, yeah. so it's like, uh, um, you know, I can't even think of a, a, a crowd that we haven't had post pandemic that hasn't just been terrific and really wanting to uh, enjoy themselves, mm -hmm. you know. So that would probably be, um, you know, the main thing that I could think of off the top of my head. Um, uh, yeah, that would be it. In the fundraising world uh, in which we dabble, we came into our first live event not really having to change much at all. In other words, it was almost like business as usual. We didn't have to pull out the stops. We didn't have to do anything perceived as new or having never been done before to attract people and to get them to have a good time. Right. So you're so, so right. I mm -hmm. think it's just going to get exponentially harder now that after people settle in again and you know, they're used to it again. I, it will soon be back to the old, well, do you have anything different or can you do this or can it be that color or, you know, you know where we were, where it was so hard yeah. to please yes. people. Yeah, well, yeah, human nature. I'm sure that'll probably creep in a little bit, but maybe, maybe they'll remember a little of 2020. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how long, uh, what was that, 9-11? How long ago was that? Yeah. Okay, I'm moving on. Um, how, how, uh, how, how does how does work life balance look to you? Um, well, I think um, it's probably a little bit easier for me than other people because so much of my time is taken up doing what I'm doing, not necessarily playing but just the administrative part, getting out proposals, contracts, that kind of stuff. But, you know, I have a family here. First of all, my wife was the singer in this band for the first 25 years. She completely understands completely everything. I never have to uh, explain any of that to her. Um, my kids, um, you know, one of them who is living with us now, um, they understand that too. 
you know, and it's just, it's a given in my house. And I see it with other musicians and even other band leaders that it's, it's really hard for them to, um, uh, you know, to, to do that balance because there's, there's, you know, resentment when you can't be there at a certain time. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, I always make time for them, you know, when it's something that we can, that I can work around my schedule, which I can usually do, you know, the proposals and the contracts and things like that can, um, can get out. Um, and I can still do the things I need to do the important things for the family. So uh, family and friends is incredibly important, you know, and it's, uh, um, like I said, I am able to have that understanding. And that's the best thing, because uh, I see it a lot where that understanding is just not there, you know, and I totally get it. I totally get it. You know, there's, I see, you know, especially people that may not have kids or that are just married, and they realize that, well, I married a musician, you know, and I'm not only his wife, his music is his wife, too. And sometimes that just doesn't go well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I see, well, we're going to get married, things are going to change. And, you know, it's, it's in your blood. I've just seen so many guys that I played with 30 or 40 years ago that ended up, uh, um, you know, having to stop because the family kind of made them stop or whatever. And then, well, then after a few years, the wife says, you know, why don't you go play a little bit? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, and, I, and, that, and that's, that's really the crux of it, isn't it? It's not so much that you're a musician, it's that you're working nights and weekends mm -hmm. when, you know, most families are spending time together. Right, right. But, you know, like I said, we do have the occasional times that maybe, you know, a Wednesday night going out to dinner or um, some other time. But, uh, you know, quite frankly, they have, um, they have plenty of stuff that they do on the weekends mm -hmm. too. And they've, it's, it's worked out great for us. And um, so, yeah, I'm so lucky in that regard to be able to have that balance and to be able to have people that understand. Well, if you're lucky and you love somebody, you love somebody who loves what mm -hmm. they do. Yes. You know, and then it's, it's a balance. Yeah. You know, like you said, when, if you go into it thinking, well, I'll change it. It's mm -hmm. not going to happen. Nope. Especially if you're lucky enough to make a living mm -hmm. doing something you're passionate about. Not, not everybody has that option in life. Yeah, that's true. And that right. does take time, you know. Yes. And it is. And it is a serious business, as you as you mentioned, okay. you are doing contracts and you're on the phone and you're selling and you're doing proposals, you're taking care of business. Sure. And, you know, the difference between uh, somebody taking care of business and having gigs at night and getting home after a gig and somebody who is maybe having a gig and then partying the rest of the night and not coming home till we, you know, there's a so, so totally different yeah. world of difference between the two. Yes, um, and we live in a in a part of the country um, yeah. where where artists can have business, can they can make a living, and sure. and many of you do it very very well, mm -hmm. especially in San Diego, I would have to say. And yeah. there's a there's definitely a difference between those of you who see it as a business and treat it like a business, and those of you who don't, and those of you who do, we work with mm -hmm. because yes. you get it. There you go. 
So what does a successful event look like to you as a band leader and a performer? Well, um, whenever we have not played for a client before, there is that turning point in the night, you know, probably, oh, I don't know, our fourth or fifth song <laughs> when everybody is out there screaming and hollering and having a good time. And then I can look over and the relief on the client is, is yes. tremendous, you know. The hardest thing in my business, I always say, is to letting the client know that everything is going to be okay, you know. And we, we do this all the time. We've done it for the biggest. We've done it for the smallest. We know how to make this work. We have backups for everything, every piece of equipment on stage we have a backup for. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, that, that, that's the hardest thing to do. But I think usually once the stuff, uh, the, uh, I would say the, um, the stuff before the band plays, obviously the speeches and all that. Once that done, once that is done, once the band starts playing and gets going, I think I just see a tremendous relief from the client at that point, you know? Mm -hmm. And then after the gig, it's, you know, it's very much appreciation on every job for, for what we do. And, oh, I'm sorry I ever doubted you, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know? I said, listen, I would be in the same boat if I was with you and I didn't, wasn't, you know, privy to working with you before on an event and seeing how things go. So I totally get it. I would be that way too. But, uh, but that's the biggest um, um, signal for success to me is that uh, once everything gets going and um, people are dancing, having a good time, we go through the night and uh, that's it. So there's so much you just said there to unpack, really. Um, the fact that you uh, have empathy mm -hmm. for your clients is a big part of your success. You can put yourself in their shoes and understand that what's likely happening is that they're fearful they'll lose their job or feel fearful that people will complain yep. and tell them they hate it, the food, the band, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, also probably a lack of understanding and knowledge of how it works from a musical point of view and how things come together and mm -hmm. what's necessary on your end. And so that lack of knowledge makes it uncomfortable. All of those things that you just pointed out make you so incredibly, incredibly um, successful at selling. And it's because you get it. You understand where they're coming from and you don't take it personally when somebody has a little doubt. Sure. So, so I, key. Yeah. I know the pressure that could be on, you know, for a bride uh, to, for her friends to say, boy, I, that wasn't the greatest wedding or, or for them to think that that's what's going to happen. Like you mentioned uh, the point person on an, on a corporate event, you know, having to go back to work that Monday and be scrutinized you know, for every little thing that happened. And uh, so, um, yeah, that is important. And I do absolutely have empathy for him. Believe me, I get sometimes five or six emails before, you know, before the event, just asking these little questions. And you could tell sometimes if you haven't talked in a few weeks, you know, the question may not be, 
that relevant, but they just want to make sure that you're still there and you have. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That you haven't left. The uh, you didn't forget about us, did you? <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I, I definitely understand where they're coming from, one hundred percent. You know, and I, the first couple of emails, I will, you know, answer their questions and everything. But when I can tell that they're just so worried, then I just kind of send them one of these look. We've done this for a long time. I know you've never worked with us before, but we have, I can't even remember, you know, the last time that we've had any kind of an issue or, um, or on an event and all of our events are successful. Yours mm -hmm. is going to be successful. Please, please don't worry about it. Mm. And um, a lot of that happens too with um, people that are, they're so worried that they'll send a, a playlist to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I got one a couple of weeks ago and probably out of the 40 songs that were on there, uh, there was maybe five songs that you could actually dance to, you know, and that's that's the hard thing to do is to call them up and say, listen, I, I understand what you listen to in the car or what you listen to here, but when you're at an event, it's a whole different thing. You want to play the most successful songs that are out there that are going to get the most amount of people up dancing, you know, and uh, um, so that that gets a little hard to every once in a while, but I have to explain that to people. You know, she, uh, this one client gave me six Bruce Springsteen songs and I had to tell her, listen, I've seen Bruce seven times. I absolutely love the guy, but I'm not gonna play his too much of his stuff at a wedding, maybe one or two songs, but you know, they're talking about ballads and things like that. And, and you know, um, so I just have to explain to them, you know, that's another thing that please just let us do our job and we'll get in as much as you can at the end of the night we'll play one or two of those but just you know let us get things started because we know what we're doing so why is that important gary uh what if um why is it important to respond to a list like that i, I know people who would say yeah they sent me a list um but you know none of it really applied to the event so we just didn't even we just ignored it yeah. Why don't you take that road? Well, you know, you could probably get away with that because I tell you, I tell you some of these lists, um, you know, once you get to the event, you know, they may not even remember they sent you a list. You know, it was just part of that, um, that banter that, that happens before an event. Um, but, uh, you know, when they, when they do send it, I do feel it is a, um, you know, it's something that I want to respond to because, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, you, you could not do that, but then again, I don't know. I'm always fearful that, well, you know, somebody wrote a review, well, kicks was great, but they completely ignored our list. Right. Know, that kind of thing. Right. And, uh, cause some people will look for something mm -hmm. about, you know, right. It's the way some people are. Right. So I feel I have to address it, you know, and I just tell them, like I said, I mean, this is, this is a situation to where, you know, I love this artist, but you know, what I grew up listening to and what I would listen to in the car is not what I'm going to do on an event. You know, you want to get the most people out there dancing and having a good time. And you want to take the songs that are going to be the most impactful and get the night started right. You know, the perfect combination right there that I'm taking away from this is you stand up for what you know is going to be successful, but you don't do it out of arrogance. 
and you let the client know they're being heard, which is very, very important. Mm-hmm. And right. then that you're only working in their best interest. And, yeah. and, and that's that's what makes success to me. And I hope I didn't sound as though I was suggesting handling it any other way than the way that you do, because um, no. if I were Judge Marilyn Milian, <laughs> I would say those other people are litigants <laughs> because the clarity of your communication and and the fact that you want to be very, very careful about the expectation that you're setting mm-hmm. is key. Yeah. You don't that's what keeps you out of court. That's what keeps you, you know, from having <laughs> issues with yeah. clients. You know, you're you're upfront about that. And you know, it it certainly can't be refuted. That's the way to do it. Right. Well, and we have our promo video, which clearly shows what we do. So sometimes when, you know, I will get a list and it's nothing that we've played on any of our videos. And then, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, well, who did you hire? You know, (laughs) I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we do here. So, um, you know, that happens every once in a while, but, uh, you know, we try and be as forthright as possible about what we're going to do and the videos kind of represent what we do and uh this is the stuff that works man it works time after time after time and uh you know if you want to do a completely different genre if you want to do a um you know a rock band playing for a bunch of guys or any anything else you know you're always going to find the most impactful music that is going to you know affect them and uh, you know, I will say I'm extremely lucky, but, you know, with all my guys in the band um, that uh, they're good with everything that we do and they, you know, they may not like a song, but the audience will never know that. And man, am I lucky because I talked to other band leaders about, you know, when are we going to stop playing Bruno Mars? Right, right. Where the, the, uh, the, the musicians are telling the band leader that and the band leader is trying to say, you know, we're trying to work here, you know, and that's what we're trying to do. And, and uh, personal preference doesn't really enter that much into what we do. You know, if it's a song that's going to be, you know, impactful and, and reach over the generations and everything, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's not too many songs like that anymore mm-hmm. that are just so distasteful that you wouldn't want to play it. You know, um, I mean, there's, there's a reason why those songs are there. Right. Well, you make a very good point yeah. too. Uh, you, you, an event is not about any single person ever, 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 let alone somebody who's working the event. Sure. And that's what many people have to get past that if that's the way you walk in, that everything is about you, then it's never, ever going to work for you. Right. Because this is a, a playground events are like playgrounds mm-hmm. and we all have to play well together yeah yeah i mean when we were young look i mean if other musicians would walk in the room when we were young we'd pull out the chick korea and start trying to impress everybody there <laughs> right, you know? right, right. <laughs> and uh it's not great dance music you know but uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell chick that <laughs> I, I know but uh we even did that once and and uh you know because we were playing a a club out in tucson in the 90s and uh you know we were dressed in these corny outfits and everything that's kind of what they wanted from us and so we did our thing and and uh, the music wasn't great back then there wasn't so many impactful songs and 
Kenny Loggins and his entire band walked in at the end of the night and we just changed everything we did. And we got called in the next morning. It's like, uh, what were you playing there at the end of the night? And I'm like, did you see who just walked in? He goes, I don't care about those guys who walked in. I care about the people that are coming all the time, you know? So, um, but now it's, it's not like that at all. You know, we're going to do our stuff because, you know, for me, the happiness on how much I like a tune really is the impact it has on people. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that, that determines it for me. You know, it's not like when I was young, you know, how many chords are in it, how fast you can play, how many notes are in it and all that stuff. There's nothing to do with it. You know, music is a transfer of emotion. That's all it is. And, um, you know, the way you get there is not important. You know, the important is the message that gives to people. And so, uh, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the way we looked at it. And like I said, I'm, I'm lucky, even though, you know, some of these guys are half my age in the band, they're, they get it, you know, and they not only, you know, they obviously know all the new stuff, but, uh, you know, they grew up in houses that um, their plant, their parents played Motown and sure. classic rock. Classic rock. And mm -hmm. it was like, I always wonder, you know, they'd be singing along to Motown, they'll know every single word. It's like, wait a minute, this was, I go, oh yeah. Thank you, mother and father. Yes. yes. <laughs> For raising we, them right. <laughs> yep. We just interviewed some 20-somethings who told us that they felt the best age of a pop songwriting in America was the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it got to the point at the end of the 70s where people were just looking to, you know, to try and do something different when, you know, they could have improved on what they did. But absolutely i mean i a uh, friend of mine teaches guitar at francis parker and these 16 year old kids come in and well i just kind of want to learn uh jimmy page and eric clapton and Jimi hendrix I'm like okay <laughs> you know my daughter's in kind of a classic music classical musical classical music theater yeah, that's is kind of her major right now her favorite is jazz and you know, the fact that she says, oh, no, I just want to sing Ella. I want to sing Etta. I want to sing Mel Torme. That's yeah. what I want to do. Dean, you know, Dean Martin. And they're looking at this. Who, who are you that you're 17? But that's yeah. what I played in the house because that's what I like to sing. That's what yeah, I like to, to hear. And she has a great respect for it. So it's so important when you give people a well-rounded experience. Yeah. And that works for me, too, because... You know, when, I, when we were young, my sister and I, my dad would three or four nights a week, he owned his own ambulance service, so he worked all these crazy hours, but, you know, his biggies were um, uh, Ella Fitzgerald, um, Joe Williams, Sarah Vaughn, all this kind of stuff, and he would put the records on, and he would play his trumpet along to it, and that's how <sighs> we would fall asleep. You know, I still have his trumpet hanging right here. Oh, really? Oh, that makes me want to cry in a oh, sweet way. Oh, he was just, you know, he, I mean, he was, he, he was good too. You know, the one thing he couldn't do is the bebop fast stuff, but, you know, going well, to sleep, he would put on this Ella and this stuff and he would just have the most beautiful vibrato. And that's, you know, how I uh, grew up with music, you know, and I was eventually able to, convert him a little bit you know into the stuff because believe me in the late 60s when it was hendrix and everything it was like what is this <laughs> what is this and you know that was a huge 
generational issue there, you know, but we were up at uh, uh, Vegas one time in the seventies and Sinatra, we were watching Frank Sinatra and he came up on stage. He goes, I'm going to sing, I think was the greatest love song that has ever been written. And he started doing something by the Beatles, you know, and I think uh -huh. that clicked with my dad and he's like, yes, uh -huh. they are good. Uh, <laughs> they are incredible, you know? And so it slowly started to break any ice, but you can imagine, you know, if you listen to that stuff all your life and then, you know, this other stuff comes, it's just so, mm. you know, it's like a slap. Jarring. Yeah. Jarring. Yeah. Well, you didn't have to tell us your father was a good trumpeteer because <laughs> any guy who could put his kids to sleep playing the trumpet has to be good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was you, can, you yeah. can't fool anybody with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nope. So if you could ask your clients to do one thing and know that they would follow through. What would that one ask be? Well, um, I would say just, you know, I want your impact. I want your input, but in the end, let us do our job. You know, let us do what we know is going to be the most successful for your event. Um, you know, it gets back to what we were talking about before, you know, and just be, just trust us to know what is good. I mean, you know, they're, they're like sometimes, well, how do you know what are, if you have never played for our crowd? I said, look, we get into situations to where we're on stage and they're going to open the doors and it's going to be three or 400 people coming in and we have no idea on age or mm -hmm. preference or anything, but we're able to read it, read the room and kind of turn on a dime. So I think that's probably you know, the best thing to do is just uh, um, trust us and also um, be careful with um, the way you approach the night and don't make other people nervous too. You know, always have that smile on your face and always say, you know, even if you're the client is, is running the show to be positive about it. And the people in this business that are successful are that way, you know, mm -hmm. they're smiling on the, on the event. They're like, you know, um, just complete positivity with the client, which, which is making the, you know, I'm talking about the event planner, mm -hmm. which is making the client feel happier. So, um, you know, I, I think that's pretty much it. Let us do our job and just stay positive mm -hmm. and don't give off any, you know, any kind of negativity that's going to, be contagious with other people you know can i add to this one of the things i've always really noticed about you is you you do get to an event very early to set up and it's you that i, I mean this is a compliment this is a good mm -hmm. thing so that by the time your band members get there they're relaxed yeah. you're relaxed because everything's done it's set up the clients relax because everything's done and set up your band members come in they're relaxed. The event planner, the person on site with you is relaxed. So to me, that adds to the success in how you keep all of your people happy as well as the yeah. client. Yeah. Well, you know, I never could understand, you know, why would I want to sit at home and wait to go, if the room is available, get there early. You know, if anything should go wrong. I mean, like I said, we have pretty much you know, back backup equipment or whatever. But if anything should happen, you have plenty of time, you know, to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I just never kind of understood that. And, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll do it nowadays. We'll do it a lot where, um, you know, we'll go set up. We'll get, and then if there's time for the guys to, you know, either run home or run out and, and get lunch or something like that, then they can do that. But I'm always there and I'm, you know, I can work uh, from a job too. I can do proposals and contracts from a job. Mm -hmm. So I could either be working there with the comfort knowing that we're all set up, we're all sound checked and everything, um, or we can get there later and just try and, you know, uh, uh, get everything done in a, in, a, in a certain amount of time, which- And you know, hope. And yeah. hope. And hope. Nothing goes wrong. Yeah, right. Because there's still the technology and nobody controls that and yeah. things go down that you, you know, that cause concern at any moment. Yeah. And seasonal blizzard could happen. That's, oh, right. Yeah. That's right. You got to be careful. Yaya yeah. might be uh, spitting through her fingers. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they call my truck the Ark because I have two of everything. So that's mm. uh, that's kind of the way we do it. I uh, bought comp new computers. I got two and I just, uh, you know, I have this fear of, of something happening to where, uh, um, you know, I mean, we're covered and it's always... Um, an unreasonable fear just because I know that we're covered. But if I trick myself into thinking that this is something that just has to be done, then, then I think, uh, uh, you know, it just makes it easier on me for sure. Not all fear is bad. Nope. You know, if it's, if it's driving you in the right way and you're, right. you're getting it done. I, I can't, I have to think there have been at least a few dozen times in your career, you were happy that you had that extra, whatever, in your truck oh, yeah. and you know, you didn't have to stress about it. So that is just being prepared. I wouldn't even say overly prepared. That's being prepared because at the end of the day, if an amp goes out or speaker goes out or God forbid the entire soundboard goes out, mm -hmm. nobody is going to say, Oh, that's okay, Gary, we understand. <laughs> that's right. Oh no. They're going to want to know why and why you weren't prepared. And, you know, these yeah. things can happen in your business. So you should be thinking about this. Right. And so, yeah, you get that. And, you know, the experience that you told us about at the very beginning, the fact that at the Marriott Marquis, you mm -hmm. were the entertainment director. It just bodes so well for all of your clients because mm -hmm. you come to the business with th this additional knowledge that most band leaders don't get and don't understand you know you you know how things are on right. both sides yeah so what's next for you what's next for kicks what's going on well um you know just keep my head above water with the business that's coming in which is mm -hmm. obviously um a good thing um you know i think eventually what i'm going to be doing is um doing everything that i'm doing right now leading right up to the um, first hour of the event and then um, making sure everything is right and then letting my uh, other guys take over and maybe not doing every single job because I have fantastic guys that are that are able to do that you know and uh, me not being a front person it's not really um, you know uh, something that has sold. Uh, the part of me that is sold to the client is I'm going to be handling it every step of the way, mm -hmm. you know, and doing that. But, um, but there'll be jobs when, uh, when I'll be doing the exact same thing. 
up until that point where I'm, I'm there for the first hour, making sure everything is going and then leave. Cause you know, some of these days are getting long for me, you yeah. know, and, uh, and you're stepping back a bit and that's a smart move. Yeah. Uh, and I hope you don't feel in any way that you're, you're cheating yourself, uh, because you still have the option that when you feel like you want to play a set, get up there and play, right? Nobody's sure. going to stop you. I think it's really the best of both worlds. If yeah. you think about it, yeah. you know, taking a step back and, and enabling it to go on without you right. suggests that it can go on without you and meaning that you can be a, a gain a little bit more passive income in that respect. Sure. Well, I think um, enough is oh. rubbed off on these guys to know how I want the event run you know, and uh, to be able to kind of turn on a dime. Like I, um, we don't do any kind of set list whatsoever. You know, we don't decide the next song that we're going to play until there's a minute left in the song that we're playing. You know, we kind of act like a DJ would in that regard. Um, I have a couple of guys who are really good at reading lips and they'll turn around and I'll say the next song and they'll know exactly what it is. And so that song ends and then we're boom, boom, boom into the next one, you know, but um um, so that, you know, because you can write up a set list for certain things, you know, like if you're doing a concert in the park or, or, or something that's, you know, a specialized event. But if you're trying to keep people up dancing all the time, then you need to be able to read the room on a moment by moment basis. And um, so, yeah, that, that's what we do. And, I, and my, my guys have done that. And I have a couple of people that are, you know, just fantastic at uh, at being able to run the show if if I wasn't there. So um, you know they're all great front people. They do a lot of fronting when I don't do the fronting and um, uh, talking on the mic, that kind of thing. And so believe me, if I didn't feel comfortable with that, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> but sure. uh, you yeah. know now when the what happened during the pandemic is we had probably fifteen to twenty events postponed uh, and. I told them all, I said, I will not charge you a thing. Just please let me know at the, um, when you have a new date, what the new date will be and make sure that we're open. Well, most of them did that, but three or four of them didn't. And sure enough, they came back to me and they're, you know, well, here's our date. <laughs> like, uh, okay. So we started doing what we've done a few times over the years, which is splitting the band in half. Mm. And, um, once I did that, and I realized that these other events, um, that, uh, uh, that the ones that I weren't at went great. They all went fantastic. Uh, and I had people running the show that were just, you know, on top of it. Then I feel a little more comfortable mm -hmm. with being able to do that. So, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, we have to get to the nitty gritty. Uh-oh. <gasps> the Bolotified Five. So Gary Hartson, what is your golden rule? My golden rule. Wow. Um, can I go back to happiness? Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to be it. I hate to be a bore, but. Yeah. No, that's not boring at all. Happy is not have is not boring. Yeah. What what is the what is one of your daily habits that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Uh, daily habit being attentive to um, to my notes. Mm -hmm. You know, always never trying to get 
too far behind on things, always staying on top of things. I feel if I get too behind on things, that's when five other emails are going to come up that are going to demand my attention. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> or the car will break down or the, you know, something yeah. will happen. Right. Yes. Mm. Yes. I just want to say thank you for that. Cause you've made <laughs> my life so much easier on so many occasions mm. because oh, yeah. of that. Yeah. What are the things you tell yourself when no one else is listening? Mm. How lucky I am to, to be in a, a field where I make people happy. You know, I mean, that's not, uh, uh, that's not the easiest thing. My dad was an incredibly successful businessman, but he ran an ambulance service, mm-hmm. you know, and the, it, he couldn't say that because, uh, you know, he's always dealing with people on the other end of the spectrum, you know, mm-hmm. and fortunately I'm able to be in an, in an, you know, in a profession that makes people happy that people are there to have a good time. And my job is to ensure that. So, yeah. So how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, I think a little a little bit younger. I, I, uh, I just don't, you know, I don't know whether it's, you know, the business I'm in or, or what, but, you know, I see a lot of people that I went to high school with that are, it's just a whole different situation. It seems like they're worn out, you know, and they were able to, uh, they weren't really able to achieve what they wanted to achieve. And um, so, yeah, I think that, uh, um, you know, just being thankful for what I do, really, Mm -hmm. yeah. What is your why? Gary, what is your why? Why? Mm-hmm. Why can't everybody in the world think exactly like me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, people. Come on. Wake up. All right. Just come to me. I'm, I'm going to offer this up. You could be and make money doing a, being a professional hugger. Now, maybe if you do that, everybody <laughs> will think just like you. Gary well, gives the best hugs. Well, bar none coming from you hey that's uh that's high praise i'll say that thank you and i don't i don't think that's illegal no No. selling hugs selling hugs right no i mean we still do it in the band even though i have yeah a lot of younger people and uh uh you know yeah it's that is kind of strange how a lot of people are growing up with with that but i think it's not the actual hugging, it's other issues, you know, but I, I, uh, man, not being able to freely express love to another person's kind of, kind of strange to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> you had enough of this gas bag. No, never. <laughs> no, it's been a real pleasure talking with you and, and you, enlightened us on some very key Mm -hmm. key points um as a band leader the way that you handle your business the way that you interface with your clients it's 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 food for thought Mm -hmm. for people especially those who uh are looking for a band or those who want to or aspire to be a band uh very very uh important nuggets of information thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. No gas, 
no bags. And one of these times we have to have Gary back because he has some delightful stories, uh, which we ended up not being able to get into today, but they are wonderful, heartwarming, funny. Uh, So just putting that out there. Okay. Story time with Gary Hartson coming up. There you go. Yes. We'll have a trumpet playing in the background. And, you you know. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. I love you all. And uh, it's been great working with you. And, uh, and um, yeah, I appreciate it very much. More to come. Yes. All right. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. <laughs>